Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and whatever part of the day you're in. Sure to appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time, whatever part of the day that is. Getting ready for work or school or sitting around the fire in the evening, conference period, lunch period, driving up and down the road, diapers, cleaning, dishes, ferrying children from one place to the next. Either way, I'm very grateful that y'all are here. And I'll try and use your time wisely, I hope. It's cold. Little frost. Or freezing water. Depending on how you look at it. My father and I were just discussing this the other day. It's quite interesting. For those of y'all that are Interested in science. Little bitty differences, right? I think we finally decided, or he decided and informed me that frost is when it freezes above and then falls to the ground, and freezing is when it touches the ground and then freezes. So, some of y'all might find that interesting. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the time to record this podcast. The people that listen to it, share it. Be with them and their families. Guide them, bless them, surround them with your angels. Protect them from evil of any kind. Give us perseverance, Father. Help us to do the things that you want us to. Help us to put you first, to seek you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, to trust you even when we don't understand what's going on and can't possibly see how it is the way you wanted things to work out. Help us to know that you're still in control. God, our nation, and our families back to you, Father, please. And God, my words here. Your son's name we pray. Amen. I've got a little tidbit to talk about if we get a chance to, but we're going to go back and try and finish up <clears throat> this uh, FDR statement of the 400th anniversary of the printing of the English Bible. We read through it a couple podcasts ago, and we've just been kind of going back and talking about some of the pieces of it, because it's just, this is, I won't go too far down this path, folks, but I feel drawn, pushed, maybe prodded to point this out consistently. I haven't done it on the podcast over the years, but this is a great example of one of the things that ought to be taught in school every year. You could teach it in history class, could teach it in English, right? 
at least. And you could really tie it in to some science classes if you went back and talked about printing presses and things like that. Um, you could talk about it in probably in some foreign language classes. Uh, there's a ton of different places that you could talk about this. Not to mention the fact that if we were running public school in particular the way we ought to be, you could certainly teach this in some Bible classes. I started to say religion, but I think that's too generic. And so it's just, again, you know, and you could spend some time on it. We've spent the equivalent here, of, or will have spent a full class period for most schools. And you could easily spend more than that. Uh, and yet we don't know it. I, I didn't know it until I started doing this podcast. I'm willing to bet that most of y'all had never heard of this address by FDR. Or if you had, it was just barely in passing. Anyway, we'll get back into it. Just a little thought. Because if, if, if we do win this war, folks, we're going to have to take culture and education back. And this is just an example of the things that we ought to be focused on. And teaching the masses across the country. In the formative days of the Republic, the directing influence the Bible exercised upon the fathers of the nation is conspicuously evident. Uh, just that one sentence right there, folks, FDR, who, just a reminder, Democrat, right? And yet this was common knowledge that as our republic was being built, the Bible exercised a huge influence, shaped the worldview of all of our founding fathers, regardless of whether they claimed Christianity or not. I had somebody the other day online, speaking of that, make the comment in reference to something I posted about that, that they were an atheist. And that even they knew that without Christianity, our republic would fail. And uh, I can't encourage that person if they're listening again today. I tell them thank you enough for the comment, but encourage them to really dig into uh, Jesus Christ, particularly versus belief in nothing but this person illustrated the point that I say so often you don't have to be Christian in order to be American our our founders put religious freedom it was very important to them that men got to choose whether to worship God or no God you know the state as their God or or some false God like Islam or Hindu or Buddhism. 
But at the same time, they knew without a doubt that if we didn't have a people who almost universally followed, well, they did universally follow the principles of Christ with only the rarest of exceptions, that our republic would fail. And that's the point that we've lost sight of today. If you want to come to America and be an atheist, fine. Or if you're already here and you are growing up and want to be an atheist, fine. You want to be uh, a Muslim, fine. You want to be uh, Buddhist or Hindu, fine. Or something else, fine. But in your public life, you better be supporting the principles of Christ in our public institutions and policy and voting for men who rule in fear of God, the Father of Jesus Christ. Because otherwise, as you see across the entire world, as you have seen throughout history, you're going to lose the right to choose to be an atheist or a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim. And you're going to be forced to be whatever the ruling powers tell you to be with brutal consequences, if not rape, pillage, torture, plunder, enslavement, exile, if you're lucky on the last one. To Washington, it contained the sure and certain moral precepts that constituted the basis of his action. That which proceeded from it transcended all other books, however elevating their thought. To his astute mind, moral and religious principles were the, quote, indispensable supports of political prosperity, the, quote, essential pillars of civil society. You see Washington here, the father of our nation, and you see a couple things in FDR's comments about Washington. One, uh, the Bible constituted the basis of his actions. Actions, folks. Actions, actions. Not words. You're going to go out and be a teacher, an educator, an administrator, counselor, garbage man, doctor, lawyer, plumber, electrician, mechanic, farmer, rancher, politician, judge, fireman, police officer, some other form of law enforcement, military, nurse, doesn't matter. Those core values, the Sermon on the Mount, that has to be the basis of our actions in our public life and our private life. He said, you know, it transcended all other books, no matter how great, how elevating their thought was. And again, that quote about Washington that we've read so often on the podcast that, that morality and religion were the indispensable supports 
of political prosperity, the pillars of our society. You can't have America, folks, without the Bible. You just can't, and that's why we're losing it today. Learned as Jefferson was in the best of the ancient philosophers, he turned to the Bible as the source of his higher thinking and reasoning. Speaking of the lofty teachings of the Master, he said, He pushed his scrutinies into the heart of man, erected his tribunal in the region of his thoughts, and purified the waters at the fountainhead. Beyond this, he held the Bible, that the Bible contained the noblest ethical system the world has ever known. His own compilation of the selected portions of this book in what is known as Jefferson's Bible bears evidence of the profound reverence in which he held it. Jefferson always makes me smile when the left throws him or Franklin or somebody up as uh, as their great example of how the country was intended to be secular, which is a lie on the face, folks, because what they really mean is they want people to worship the state because that's what socialism and communism and leftism, that's what they really do. They, they replace God or try to with the state. And you can see that in China today. You saw it in the USSR you can see it in other totalitarian regimes uh, like Iran, although that's not secular, at least not in the atheistic sense. But the point is that they try and hold up from our founding generation. And when you really dig into both Jefferson and Franklin, you see that the ground that they're on is really shaky to begin with. But even if you go along and pretend that they were both deists at best and uh, probably more likely atheists, according to the left, that's just all the more condemning, folks. You look at what FDR just said here about how important the Bible was and the teachings of Christ in particular to Jefferson. So if you've got a man who's supposedly the premier example of setting America up as a secular society, and he's acknowledging the overwhelming importance of the Bible and the teachings of Christ. Okay, you want to be deist or atheist? Fine. If this is the guy that's your example, fine. He's still telling you that the teachings of Christ are the most important, that the Bible is is profound on every level. Always just kind of makes me smile. It's kind of like when the left tries to use the Treaty of Tripoli as an example that we're not a Christian nation. Entirely apart from these citations is the place the Bible has occupied in the thought and philosophy of the good and the great. It is the veneration in which it has been and is, I wish, held by vast numbers of our people that gives it its supreme place in our literature. No matter what the accidents and chances of life may bring in their train, no matter what the changing habits and fashions of the world may affect, 
This book continues to hold its unchallenged place as the most loved and the most quoted and the most universally read and pondered of all the volumes which our libraries contain. It has withstood assaults. It has resisted and survived the most searching microscopic examination. It has stood every test that could be applied to it, and yet it continues to hold its supreme place as the book of books. There have been periods when it has suffered stern and searching criticism, but the hottest flame has not destroyed its prevailing and persistent power. We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the Republic. Its teaching, as has been wisely suggested, is plowed into the very heart of the race. Where we have been truest and most consistent in obeying its precepts, we have attained the greatest measure of contentment and prosperity. Where it has been to us as the words of a book that is sealed, we have faltered in our way and lost our rangefinders and found our progress checked. It is well that we observe this anniversary of the first publishing of our English Bible. The time is propitious to place a fresh emphasis upon its place and worth in the economy of our life as a people. As literature, as a book that contains a system of ethics, of moral and religious principles, it stands unique and alone. I commend its thoughtful and reverent reading to all our people. Its refining and elevating influence is indispensable to our most cherished hopes and ideals. The last uh, couple paragraphs there, I just, you know, the fact that I, I wish what he said was still true, that it was the most loved, most quoted, and most universally read and pondered. Uh, and that, that's true historically, but that's certainly not true today in, in this moment in time. Uh, you know, but it, it's all these people, it's been attacked for centuries, and yet it's still here. It's never been proved wrong. A lot of people have tried, continue to try, shout and scream and come up with all sorts of arguments that in the end don't work, fail. Uh, and, but maybe the, the biggest, at least as far as this podcast goes, the biggest part is FDR's comments here. We can't read our history and rise and development as a nation without reckoning the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the Republic. He's talking about the teachings of the Bible being in our heart, too. And that kind of ties in with Coolidge's comment about if those principles ever quit to be almost universal, then the Republic's going to fail, which is, again, what we see today. It's not as a race of Americans, regardless of color or gender or ethnicity, right, or class, we no longer have these core values that transcend 
those categories or even political party. And so you see the nation dividing and falling. And the only solution to that, folks, the only solution, regardless of war or no war or policy or who's elected, the only solution is to get those principles again to be universal across our nation in the hearts and minds of our people and particularly our children. And, and you see FDR's comment there again that, that I reference so often, but I don't have it in front of me to quote like I do right now is, you know, when we've been truest, when we've followed those teachings the best, that's when we've been the most noble. And the farther we get away from the teachings of Christ, the more we flounder and fall apart. God bless you all and your families and your marriages in America. We'll talk to you all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.